You're listening to Food Integrity Now with your host, Carol Gravey. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Matt Powers. Matt is on a mission to empower people everywhere to live more regeneratively. Matt is an author, educator, seed saver, gardener, and entrepreneur focused on radically transforming the entire K-12 education system through the collegiate system as well as the economy, such that it aligns with regenerative science, natural principles, and permaculture ethics, earth care, people care, and future care. Matt, a former public high school teacher with a master's degree in education, is the author of the first government-accredited permaculture curriculum in North America, which is fully cited, peer-reviewed, and aligned on national standards. And his work continues to spread in schools, colleges, and universities globally, with over 16 books with translations in six languages and nine online courses. And today we're going to be talking with him about his new book, Regenerative Soil. Matt, welcome back to Food Integrity Now. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to have you. I had you on, it's been about a year ago. I think it was over a year ago, maybe, because I don't think we were in this lockdown situation back then. Kind of, I call no. it the good, the good old days. Um, but anyway, I it's spring, and I was just thinking about um, planting and the soil. And I know that many people are in that same position. And for me, it's all about the soil and all about getting the most nutrients from the food we grow. I mean, if we're going to go through the trouble of, not trouble, but go through all the steps to to prepare the soil and plant the seeds and take care of the garden, I want it to be really nutrient dense. Because that's, for me, that's important to get the most out of our vegetables and fruits and uh, to create great health. So That being said, uh, let's start out with some essentials. And I know it's all about the soil. And I'm just going to mention you have a new book. You want to hold your book up? It's called Regenerative Soil, The Science and Solutions by Matt Powers. And his book is all about the soil. So let's, let's begin there. What Soil 101, where do we begin? Well, I would say that because soil is where our plants live and the interactive medium from which all organic life, you know, gains life and then returns to it, I would say it's the linchpin. (laughs) So getting that right is going to affect what nutrients are available, what nutrients become available. And, and how much water you can hold. Um, just those simple kind of things make the, the greatest difference um, because when there's water, there's biology. And when there's the right minerals and, and nutrients there, the biology can really thrive. And our plants, they, they prefer, their, their nutrition is from the soil food web, from the, the, the microbes and the bacteria and the fungi nematodes and protozoa all interacting together, um, placing each other really, <laughs> keep each other in balance, checks and balances and stuff. And it's the pro- byproducts, the waste um, and the released nutrients from the biology that the plants thrive on. And then recently we found out that plant roots literally digest simple fungi and bacteria. And so, and it actually makes their root hairs grow. So, um, and this is the kind of stuff that's in your compost teas, you know? And so I I really value um, making our soils living nutrient dense dense mediums from which life can can spring and return to. Okay, great. So how do we do that, Matt? (laughs) Where do we we start? (laughs) 
All right, so I'm gonna start off with um, a few caveats. So you're gonna tailor each of these things to your bioregion, your context and everything. But one of the best, most powerful ways and simple is to inoculate biochar with the life and, the, and the, like the nutrients, the rock dust and like the minerals that you want your plants to be able to have. What's because biochar? That biochar is what biochar? Biochar is bio, biology combined with char. So when we make charcoal, when we are like, or like wood char, I should say, we are, we are stopping it from turning into ash. There's two stages to burning. And the first stage is it turning into char. And, and then the second stage is it turning into ash. When it's still on the char stage, especially if you do this through pyrolysis, through an oxygen-free um, uh, cooking process, you can do this in a kiln, and they do this in large kilns. They make this porous, really light, and when you break it, 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 it like almost tinkles with like, uh, like how, how brittle and glassy it sounds. And you've probably uh, experienced this too, pushing around char in here, that squeal, that squeak that it makes. So char is this very porous and, uh, and highly um, attra attracted to everything around it um, substance. And that's pure carbon. And it's this great matrix um, that holds water, that attracts, and because we stripped all the, bio, the, the uh, organic matter out of it, except for that matrix of carbon, charcoal wants to seize everything and grab it. So if you put regular charcoal in forest soils, it'll eat the humus. That's not good. That's why we always want to combine it with like compost before adding it to any system so that it doesn't rob the system of already established longer chain carbon humic substances. So charcoal combined with biology and, and organic matter, because it's not just the biology, you really, you really need to fill up those spaces. Um, and so it can, it, it can hold three times its mass in water. So if you're adding 10, 10, 10, 10 to 15% biochar to your soil profile this year, you now can hold 30% more water right off the bat in your soil. So if you and don't have a kiln, hold. Matt, if you don't have a kiln, you mentioned mm -hmm. that. You can do um, uh, conservation burns uh, if it's allowed in your area. Oh, that's what I've done. I have a video on my YouTube. We're just okay. doing top burning and top burning is surprisingly like clean burning. And they've tested it over and over again, so much so that it's now a standard protocol uh, in, in, in vineyards in Sonoma for doing this, this it's a soil amendment and it burns 90% cleaner than all the other burns and, uh, that are from the bottom. And okay. so you're basically top burning it before it turns into ash, you're watering it down. You could be watering it down with like compost tea watered down even. Um, and then you could be like watering it down, letting it dry out and then putting it in a compost tea bath or combining it with your compost. It'll help break down your food and your compost and your scraps in your compost as you inoculate it, and then you add the rock dust to your compost. So the microbes are digesting it, and they're holding it. So when they get consumed by the protozoa or the protozoa and then by the nematode, they release those nutrients from the rock dust in bioavailable form to your plants. Okay, right what is rock dust? Is that biochar? No, rock dust is different from biochar. Okay. So you could get a bag of biochar, you can order it online, Oh, my phone. Um, you could order a bag of biochar online. It's becoming more and more widely available everywhere. Rock dust. You're going to want to get something like a basalt uh, rock dust. Okay. Um, that is the widest range of minerals. And these things are all about the surface area. So rock dust, you know, the, the, the microbes are going to freak out. Um, they're going to, they're going to, your pile's going to be extra active. They're going to consume all that. Um, and then they're going to be living in with the rock dust nutrients and minerals in them inside the biochar and in your compost too. And so when you add that in 
when you're watering, the water doesn't leach like it mm. used to. Because it's those fine minerals in the rock dust, just like in our clays. And remember, clays are, are the size of a dot of chalk compared to sand, size of a basketball. So those of us with sandy oxidized soils, take note, your soils are gonna have their nutrients leach out because there's just no, there's just, it's just a pile of basketballs and there's all that space and it's just a little dot and that's your clay. But that little dot is really powerful and those rock dust little dots are very powerful. They actually have like this charge around them. And this, this, this makes a lot of sense when you mess with clay and you see that it's hydrophobic Many of you in California know this, the, the, that fine silt that's hydrophobic when it gets too dry. That's like a force field, right? It literally is. And so breaking that surface tension is a charge change. So, so when we have all these things that are doing the opposite of that, that attract and hold water instead of repel it in our soils, we're flipping switches, not just they're making our soil darker, but we're making it hold more energy, literal electrons and protons. And so that is going to play in directly into making the food more nutrient dense. You're going to hold more water. It's going to lower the pH. It's going to be a little bit more acidic and it's also going to buffer it. So it's not going to go out of control acidic. It's going to keep it towards pH seven because water, you're going to hold more water and water is the ultimate buffer. Uh, same thing with soil organic matter. They all want to keep you towards seven. So it's incredibly elegant and it's like symphonic. You know what I mean? When you get all these elements together, but it's simple when we begin. We're adding, our, we're adding rock dust and, and, bio, and, and charcoal to, you know, wood char to our compost heap. And maybe you're doing a hot compost. Maybe you're doing a longer term moldering compost. If you are doing the longer term moldering compost, do me a favor. I'm gonna give you a master tip here. Add perforated piping to it. So What's you get that? that aeration. Any kind of piping, perforated with holes in it. You That's just put them in like, like chimneys. You put them in your static compost pile and you've aerated it without turning it and breaking your back. And so these, you could just have these pipes inside your compost heap every 12 inches. This is the Johnson Sioux compost bioreactor method. Many people are adapting this now. And, and you suddenly have this compost. You don't need to turn it. It's going to give you the best compost. The hot compost that we turn gases off a lot and loses a lot of nutrients. Yes, it's fast. Yes, there's, there's lots of uses, right, for it. Lots of very useful uh, things you can do with hot compost, but the best composts are the ones we don't turn, the ones we leave a long time. And like so many of us, it's like, we don't have time to turn and monitor it so it doesn't light on fire. Uh -huh. It's like, let's, let's step back into where we once were with our grandmother's moldering compost, with a little bit more sophistication, having some, some, some tubes in them, you know, with holes in them, that allows for aeration to happen in that pile. You're, as you add your chicken scraps in or your lawn trimmings in, dust a little rock dust, throw a little biochar, you know, wood char in there. And you're just laying it on, letting it do its thing. And then when you're adding that to the garden, it's gonna have more life. It's gonna have life that has benefits that are exponential. So the Johnson Sioux compost method, this giant bioreactor, the original one's like 12 feet tall. They're giant. These, I'm talking about miniaturizing for all of us. I'm gonna be miniaturizing. Many people have already done them in garbage cans. You know what I mean? Like one pipe in the middle and, and the food all around. And yeah. So they added this once and every single year there was an increase in carbon sequestration and nitrogen availability. And so it's like the microbes have this ability to like, once they get established the right way to take off. Terra Preta in, in the Amazon, that dark rich soil that everyone is, you know, is over the moon about, they would cut down to 20 inches. They would harvest it and sell it. And then those 20 centimeters, actually not 20 inches, 20 centimeters would regrow over 20 years to 20 feet deep again. And then they just constantly are harvesting it. And so we can create soils 
that are this rich by following their methods, charcoal. And if we remember our past, so many of our cultures were doing slash and burn or were they doing slash and char? That's the thing is there are cultures that were doing slash and char and we got it mixed up. The European perspective. <laughs> I'm just seeing, you know, what's going on and, 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 and then also pushing that, you know, what I mean? we, we, we were pushing to that because that got us, you know, quick returns and this pressure market that we're in. So, so back to the I pipes. really want us to know. I want to go back to the pipes for a little, mm -hmm. for just a minute that we're going to put in our compost with the perforated holes in it. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to get more specific on that um, because in my mind, I'm thinking, what kind of pipe? What, what are we talking about here? What Some people are doing use? the PVC pipes. Some people are doing that. Um, but the original people aren't like drilling into PVC and putting it in. So there's freshly cut PVC. They're not doing that. They're actually taking the, um, the piping that you use for septic distribution, like the leach field for septics. These pipes are hardier and they have holes that are like built into them. Okay. And so that's what they're using. You could be using metal piping that's perforated. You could be using PVC because um, it won't get as hot and you'll have the microbiology there to, to digest petrochemicals so, and sequester them. So yeah, so, it's, so it could be just fine. Um, but, but everyone has always concerns about plastic. So I yeah, wanna, that's I what wanna, I was um, thinking about too, about the plastic. Open. I always want to stay open to that too, because it's yeah. always potential, right? right? But we're not going to be making glass, glass, glass tubes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, but real, realistic. Saying the steel tubes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and they could make those things like pretty darn thin too. Um, and they can make it into uh, uh, all interconnected. So you could, after five days, you could pull it out if you're doing one pile all at once and pull it out and it all, the, the holes actually stay intact the whole year. So this is the Johnson Sioux methods originally a year long and it had microbes in it that weren't documented since Louis Pasteur. Huh, so wow. this, is, this is incredible, the diversity. It, it, they found gold solubilizers. In, in microbes that can dissolve gold. You know what I mean? This is one of the most stable substances, you know, chemically, like uh, the, 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 the actual structure, the molecular structure on the planet. Uh -huh. So- um, And what is that stupendous. method called again? Johnson, Johnson and what? The Johnson Sioux method. I can even show you a picture of it right now. Yeah, because... that would be great. And that way our, our listeners can maybe take notes about this and look it up. Yeah, it's all in my new book, um, all the directions, all the how-to. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's you don't head. have to turn your compost. Yay. That's right. Because, you know, a lot of us can't. Like, let's just be honest. A lot of us just can't go out there and be physical, like on demand, turn a pile. You're like holding a baby maybe, or you're like, my back says no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, like for real though, it's like we all have lives and like tending a compost, you know, like, like it's a, like a sick person that you have to like check on constantly because something could go wrong. You know, that's essentially what it, what, what's going on. You have to, it could go wrong. Yeah. So um, this just stabilizes it. This makes it much more pleasant. Um, and that whole year long thing feels different even you're like gotta check it and da, 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 and, and you're like no nah, no nah, this is an investment i've been adding to it for six months and capped it and tarped it and and, and now i'm going to uncover this and this is going to be this investment that has come to fruition and i'm i'm excited oh, you know it's awesome. like a different relationship uh, because there's so much anxiety that goes into like the hot composting. Am I doing it right? Is the temperature right? This is a totally different thing. This is a very beautiful partnership relationship where nature's like, I got this, you know, thank you for all the pieces. I'm going to just do it now kind of thing. So I really, I really appreciate uh, the new chapter opening up in composting 
And also, let's you now now we have this compost, or let's say you don't have the ability to compost and you need to start really quick. Get some EM. Get some EM that's effective microbes. This is a liquid biofertilizer and biocontrol inoculant of a stable consortium of microbiology that literally bows out as it enters your soil, like, yeah. uh, like soil food web. And, it, and it's very, very useful. Like you could have your, I mean, I have 15 gallons behind me brewing because it's that useful. Yeah. You want to so, show people it, do just what it looks like. So they, I, I bought it oh, last time we well, interviewed. Well, you're going to, you're going to find oh. online that this looks like a lot. Like I said, I have 15 gallons. So I brew it um, like, I'm, like I mean it. So um, most people are going to get like cute little bottles. Yep. That's and, what I got. And, and they're, and they're expensive. And for me, I don't want to spend the money. And so I, um, and, and, and my friends, neither do they. And so I have lots of recipes in here for things like EM, for other biofertilizers, because EM has endophytic yeasts that literally go inside the roots and inside the phloem of plants. Yeah. And, and, and these, the, 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 the effective microbes in the EM consortium that you can buy on Amazon, um, they are natural. There are these facultative, uh, and a lot of them are, are, are from foods. You know what I mean? They're edible. Um, not, not, not the consortium that they sell for agriculture is recommended for eating. They have EM gold, which is actually just uh, food grade. Um, and so this is something that's safe, is something that's effective, and that could be your compost tea. So you take your char and your EM, you combine them and you put them into your soil and you're like, I didn't have time for the compost. I don't have space for the compost. I got a balcony garden, Matt. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, fantastic and, and, information. Right, and so you could be so you could be getting the consortium into the char, and then the char into your soil, and it's biochar. It's going to hold the water. It's going to and it's going to draw down your pH towards pH uh, pH six point five to seven, which is the Goldilocks range. Just like with the earth, you know, where we're that Goldilocks range, there's a Goldilocks range for roots regardless. And there's some wiggle. I mean, obviously blueberries like a little bit more acidic and obviously non-mycorrhizal plants like it more alkaline, but it's very much so that around their actual roots, they prefer it in that range because they can pop either way. They can put out protons, which make it a little bit more acidic or if they're like, oh, it's a little bit, no, I'm gonna put out hydroxide and make it a little bit more alkaline. And because that little wiggle room around pH seven, right, that balance point, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. they get to choose the nutrients that are available in that yeah. zone right then. Yeah. So I think it's really important to give plants their due place and, and, and get, empower the plants to do the work that they're meant to do. Because plants are solar panels that conduct the energy into the soil into the organic matter actually. And it's that energy in the soil that our plants rely upon to conduct the nutrients into them and oh, for the microbes to move. So yeah. I have a question so for me. It, me. it goes all big, it goes all big, but it really is small when you get down to the actions. Yeah. All of our children can do it. We can teach it to all the school children and then they could learn the significance of it through PhD grad school. I mean, it goes as deep as you want to go. <laughs> right. But but yeah, it's that good. <laughs> so I um I I tried something different, and um I have no idea if this is going to work. But mm -hmm. I went to an organic mushroom farm, and mm -hmm. I got organic mushroom compost. That's good. And that's what I use for my compost, and you know I mix that with you know, my, my regular soil, my organic soil. And then I added, um, and I continue to add the, the EM1. Um, so, so <laughs> this is the thing. You might discover what I've discovered because you're improving your soil. You're making these stable like changes to your soil. And because of it's so fungal and they're fungal foods in that compost, you may see awesome tomatoes, but your amaranth or your beets might shrink. 
Okay. And, and I, I want everyone to know it's because they're non-mycorrhizal. And as we deal more and more with contaminated rain, contaminated water, the plants that have a mycorrhizal partnership, fungal dominant soils like yours, are gonna be soils that literally shrug off those toxins because they have phytostabilizers. So they're gonna be buffering. They're gonna be breaking things apart and they're going to be making things inert or even embodying them. So they're out of the flow. So, I mean, that's what like fungi does a lot of the time is it's making the structure of the soil. And so it's embodying things in these carbon chains and in their bodies. And then as their bodies die and senesce, then it becomes part of the soil profile. Mm. So, so it's, it's, it's really incredible. It's really powerful, but it's also something that um, I, I really want to like put out there because it can confuse people. Yeah. They're like, well, why are my beets, my kale, my Swiss chard? Um, You're naming like, all like the things quinoa. I planted. <laughs> You're naming okay, all okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Um, like, why are all these plants doing so well, but my tomatoes are doing so awful or reverse? It's because when we look at that spectrum of pH, they're on different parts of the spectrum. Um, let me just show you uh, what nitrogen looks like. Nitrogen actually pairs with the succession of all plants on this scale right here. Okay. So tomatoes, whoop. so tomatoes are a different, a different section on there. So they require, um, a totally different uh, fungal to bacteria um, ratios. But when you have a no-till environment in healthy biology and healthy plants around the rhizosphere and you're close to that seven, they get to decide. So like, well, it's a little bit too fungal today, you know, and they're gonna like put out some hydroxides. And it's like that kind of empowerment literally gives the plants their, the, the, the power of choice, the ability to um, defend themselves as well. So I, I really, really value this um, because it's such a powerful, such a simple uh, leverage point in how we work with our soils. I should have had your book before I planted. <laughs> <laughs> Is that too late? It's not too late. I only planted a week ago. Well, you could do some bacterial tea and, and, and spray it on the soils too, if you wanted to do that. Okay. Okay. And is that all in your book as well? Yes. Yes. It's all in the book. This okay. is, this is the best book I've ever, this is my greatest work. Um, this is the best tell book us I've a ever little written. bit about it. Uh, just, you know, just tell us a little bit about your book and what, what you're so proud of. Well, I basically thought I understood soil and then I got into it and realized that it was a much bigger room than I realized it was. And there's a lot of experts out there that are experts for this part of the room. And they kind of talk like it's the whole room. Okay. The room is bigger and than so that. I, yeah. And so I, I basically was like, well, how dang big is this room? And I started interviewing as many experts and reading as, as many experts as I could and, the, and, and, and reading you know, the published science articles. I, I got a, a subscription to Nature, went back through their, their, um, their back catalogs and everything and read everything they'd ever published on soil. I mean, it was 2020, what else did I have to do? <laughs> and so I realized something fundamental. Um, first of all, we didn't realize that the hydrogen cycle was the seat for pH. Huh. Like people didn't collectively understand that the water cycle is the pH scale. And at the root level, it is also the pH scale because uh, hydroxide versus protons, H plus, you know what I mean? That's literally the pH scale. Um, and so it's like, I knew about NPK. 
Um, but I didn't realize that, you know, as soon as you kind of get beyond like uh, sulfur and like calcium, things drop off and there were no soil cycle um, diagrams for like any of the micronutrients. And so you're like, okay, so all these were utilitarian based diagrams. So they're the farmers, the agronomists wanting to know which NPK would go in and how it would leach so they would know the percentages to what to add and when. I don't know those words, MKP, what is that? Oh, NPK, that's nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Those oh, okay. are the macronutrients okay. 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 that every farmer swear, like in the fifties, they, they thought all plants just needed NPK. Okay. And now, you. and we've, we've learned a ton, you know, we know about my, my, uh, micro and trace, but no one had done the actual like diagrams and I'm a visual person. I think most of us are. Mm-hmm. And, and I had this fundamental realization that most soil scientists were not creative types. They were more engineer type brains and or analytically even and so they're not making visuals and when they did they did boxes with words and so i was like i can't i can't i need to like know how the night the iron cycle works i need to know how the manganese cycle works i need to you know what i mean the zinc the copper the even the chlorine molybdenum the boron the silicon because silicon is so universal, we didn't even bother thinking about it. We actually have a hard time testing for silicon because we can't get it out of the test samples, the test um, materials, the, the, the testing instruments. Like, like silicon is everywhere, but it's critical to understand, really critical to understand. Nickel, selenium. Uh, even cobalt, people are adding cobalt in very, very, very small amounts. But it's because the center of B12 is cobalt. Mm. And without cobalt, the life, the, the, the biology, even the little animals, you know, we need B12, animals all need B12, right? The microscopic animals do too. And so it's like, if you don't have cobalt, it doesn't matter if you add biology to the soil, they die. So, and we've been mining our soils. Everyone's like, we're mining our soils of nutrients. We're eroding all of our soils. And, and, and some people are like, oh no, every soil has everything. But what happened to all the erosion and all the loss? Of, all that actually went out into the ocean, into the ocean water. That's what eutrophication is. So we do need to add the nutrients back. So we do need to add the pieces, the, the building blocks back. And so that was a fundamental realization. A, a lot of the folks in the biological world are like, no, 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 just add magical compost and everything's going to be fine. Every soil has everything. But in soil science, sandy soils are a type of soil, which means that that's silicon and oxygen, nothing else really. And they can't hold nutrients. Remember, they're the basketballs. So there's, there's nothing there. So, so it's, it's really important to like recognize the reality that goes into play. And so I go over <clears throat> like pH, EH, I make these diagrams so these things are knowable. This is oxidation versus reduction. This is the process that was left out of, this is the, the real diagram that everyone should be looking at. This is what, pH no, what is, is that? pH. This is a diagram that shows the actual uh, availability of minerals in the soil. Oh, so nice. traditionally we were shown the pH chart, right? Where they're like, your, this, this is your bioavailability. Uh, this is wrong. This is only one leg of a much more complicated picture is what we realized. It makes an X, Y chart. And not only that, there are the classic corrosion charts for all elements in chemistry. So the chemist knew this whole time that this is what goes on, but they never told it, or the soil scientists didn't look it up. I don't know, but literally, and, and this is why these are macronutrients. They're always available. We can't get rid of them. So for me, it became, this is why evolutionarily these things are micro, micro and macro. These are the corrosion rates for things in nature. You know what I mean? 
And so this, this book goes through, connects classic chemistry to, it brings it up to date, explains why it worked, how it worked, and what ways it didn't work. It connects it to soil biology, connects it to all the actions, all the most recent data and everything, but in ways that are visual, knowable, and actionable so that you can get to this point where you're like, you know what, it all really is simple. What are we those? need the right biology. We need the right minerals. We need good plants photosynthesizing and we need organic matter, air and water. And it's those simple truths that, that really make it just all work. And, and we can make soil that gets better and better and better every single year exponentially. And so there's everything in here. There's EM, there's how to make your own mycorrhizal inoculants. Oh, God, I want to make my own EM. You're right. It is kind of expensive. I bought a, I don't know, $30 thing and I've used it twice and it's almost gone. Yeah, that's very easy to extend actually. Mm -hmm. And I've got the recipe for it in here. Okay. Um, and, 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 all, and, and even more than EM, there's trichoderma, there's uh, rhizobium. People talk about how they need to put rhizobium inoculant on their, their, their beans and their peas. You can do it yourself. Awesome. So, yeah, and this this is all stuff that 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 is that if you are if if you are doing canning and jar you know jarring canning at food at home, you can do any of this stuff, any of it. So um, I really wanted to make it knowable and actionable, and also garden to farm scale, because it's. It, I really want people to understand and be able to communicate with their farmers, their farmers to be able to understand them. There's this great divide between, um, and then also uh, remediation. I've got all the re remediation for heavy metals, for toxins. Oh my God, um, that's amazing. Pesticides. And that is crazy too, because fishbone, like fishbone meal, like yeah. calcium, like, like, like that, that, bonds with so many heavy metals, like all the lead problems, just put fishbone meal in, like literally. It's crazy it, how well it works. Is fishbone meal, I um, mean, that's different obviously than fish emulsion, right? Um, yeah, but you want the bones because the bones um, have the calcium phosphate. Okay, uh, okay. So, so yeah, and, and then the biochar is also this incredible remediating tool that is, I think, one of the most highly documented, like, and published on topics in the past 10 years in soil. And people don't know that, um, that it is this, there's still like, there's like those, those Facebook debates still going on. Meanwhile, the scientific community has gone in, deemed it worthy, and they're going deep. I mean, the fact that cannabis biochar is likely going to be the next wave in silicon, I mean, in microchips, that, that says a lot. Um, yeah. We're going to see, you know, the biochar in so many different forms in everything, in our food, in our, because it's, it's really good for us food-wise, it's good for our animals. Um, in, in our soaps, in our, I mean, we're seeing the charcoal, you know, toothbrushes, you know, and all this stuff, but it's gonna be in everything. Wow, that, that's pretty exciting. You know, I think some people don't understand, um, maybe the first time gardener, they, they go and they buy some seeds and they put it in their soil and, and, and the food grows but they don't pay attention to the nutrient density part. I mean, is, you know, they get, they get this nice looking plant and they get some great lettuce and they eat it, but it may be so deplete in some of those minerals and other things that you've been discussing with us, which to me is why bother? I mean, not, not why bother? I mean, but. It's disappointing because your plants get eaten. Yeah. Or your plants are like flimsy and you're like, oh, all this effort for this. Yeah. You put it all that water for this. Yeah. But when you add those minerals, 
And then like later on, you're watering in with your kelp, your liquid, your liquid kelp and uh-huh. your EM, just mm-hmm. watered down, like just adding, I add this stuff to my watering regimen. I'm watering EM and kelp, uh, liquid kelp in like once a week, twice a week, sometimes four times a week, depending on the time timing. Um, but the plants themselves are so different. I mean, A, there's, I don't have pest problems, but B, the colors, the taste, the flavor, like, like, you know, when you get those arugula at the store and it's got that bite, it's a little bitter, but the one you taste from your garden somehow has all those notes except way more and it's sweet. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's spicy and bitter and sweet all at the same time. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> and it's complex. It, yeah. it, and, it's, and, and that's what's going on. And so we really want to get those minerals in there because your body will be like, you did the right thing. Yeah. And it, and it will be irrefutable at that point. We, we're born with this supercomputer of a brain and sensory or, like system. And, and we rely upon experts all the time to tell us what to eat and what not to eat when when we encounter the real thing it's like meeting someone who's a genuine friend it's like meeting someone um who actually listens to you for the first yeah. time you're like yeah oh, what you know you're like crying right yeah um it's 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 re- it's revelatory yeah when you when you actually do it so i'm with you um, so and, let's and go back to something like, you you said. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I don't want to miss this point. You you made the point of you don't have a pest problem. Let's talk a little bit about that and how you can control pests in your garden just through what you've been talking about and right. why. So it's important to recognize that the four stages of plant health are what protect it from pests. Right. It won't protect it from the deer. It won't protect it from the squirrels. You know, <laughs> the things that have digestion like ours, right? Right. It's the, the, the insects. A lot of them are going to eat the oxides. They're going to consume nitrates. They're going to consume the things the plants don't want uh-huh. that aren't processed properly, that are in excess, that are imbalanced. So they... And these actually signal for this. They send out signals. They and when plants are really stressed, they actually harm the soil. Wow. So so it's it's really important to to recognize that we want our plants to be healthy because we're literally improving our soil better than compost does when we do that. So we're getting like, you know how they're like all oh, this investment in time. It's like, yes, you did invest your time and, and it is worth it if you do these steps, because it'll be as if you've been adding compost the whole season. Yeah. Um, so, so first you need to have complete photosynthesis. So the plant needs to be able to process fully all the sugars. Now, this is, I theorize why EM is so effective because, uh, and I haven't seen it on a microscope yet, but the endophytic yeast, yeast eat sugar, simple sugars. Yeah. Um, and it's endophytic. So it lives inside the plants flowing where the sugars go. Okay. So when you're spraying a plant that's not being able to process its sugars with EM and it suddenly has a recovery, it's because it was able to like sop up those sugars with, with the, the biology eating it up. Um, but let me go uh, to that section and tell you the, um, the nutrients because the reality is there are very specific nutrients that correlate to the first two stages. Yeah, so um, it's not gonna be on, oh, yeah, it is. All right, so magnesium, iron, manganese, nitrogen, and phosphorus. You need to have a- adequate levels of those and availability to have complete photosynthesis. Most of us have those. It, but, but we might not have them in the right forms, especially like the manganese, um, or we might not have the chelators there for our, our, our iron, because um, iron needs chelation. So, um, or to be in the right zone, uh, PHEH wise. So you need those minerals. 
and you need them in bioavailable form. And that's why like that foliar spray works so well. Cause you're like, if it's not in the soil and your soil is shocking to those, those things, like let's say like your pH is like really high and you're adding something that's acidic, they're going to fight. You're going to lose a bunch of that. It's like combining bicarbonates and carbonate rich water, hard water, you know, mm-hmm. with um, minerals, mm-hmm. your mineral fertilizer. It's going to go going to bond all that 50 to 80% is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Same thing. So, so that's why EM works so well, because it pushes things down. Um, and what's in, what's in EM just briefly? What, what is So it? EM has, um, LAB lactic acid bacteria. It has uh, purple non-sulfur bacteria, which, um, I, I, let me get to that section because I want to read their the, the real names because most people actually don't actually list it's, their it's, real it's names. It's like a probiotic, isn't it? Is it? Um, well, there are a bunch of different members, which is really the interesting thing about this because they form this team um, that together, so there's biocontrol ones. They're, uh, the lactic acid bacteria are the biocontrol. They're putting... Um, uh, out, out uh, controls. Hold on, let me, let, let me. <laughs> These microbes are lactic acid bacteria, yeast, purple non-sulfur bacteria, actinomycetes, and other naturally occurring microbes that enhance the behavior of indigenous microorganisms in both soil and water. So they're a mix of facultative microbes. So they're not anaerobic or, or aerobic per se, they're both. So you can put them in sealed containers and use them for ferments. So they have Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Uh, that is like the beer yeast. So in other words, the beer yeast is inside all, like all the plants already. Not all <laughs> the plants, but basically all the ones that we've been brewing with, it was yeah. already in there. Yeah. So, so these, these are things that are so natural. We're just adding them back in. They help control the sugars, obviously, but then, um, Lactic acid in an active ingredient in pickling keeps pathogenic microbes at bay in the pH acidic. So that's that's job. And then purple non-sulfur bacteria, and this is specifically Rhodopseudomonas spheroides, is a remarkable bacteria. Okay, so it can feed four ways. It can feed off heat, right? Um, Toxic materials, light, and carbohydrates, so sugars. Um, it's a thermophilic diazotroph that can thrive in cattle manure lagoons, the edges of the ponds, hot springs, but it can also consume CO2 and release it as oxygen. So <laughs> it can consume light and do photosynthesis. Um, and, and, it can, and it can consume CO2 as part of that photosynthesis. So it's an adept biodegradation agent and can break down aromatic compounds and act as a phytostabilizer in the rhizosphere. It's also exoelectrogenic. It can generate electricity and donate electrons into the rhizosphere, increasing uptake of nutrients and lowering the EH, which means when you say lowering EH, it means there's more energy. So, um, and, and I could go on, but, but, this team has saprophytes. So they're gonna break down your stuff. They're gonna digest organic matter, endophytes. They're gonna boost your plant's health from the inside, diazotrophs. So they're going to make nitrogen available to your plants, phytostabilizers. They're gonna protect your plant from heavy metals, from toxins in the environment and biocontrol. They're gonna push out any competitors that might harm your plant and protect your plants. It's and, and I mean, there's more benefits, but, yeah. but that's just one. And the cool thing about what we're doing now, my friends and I are all talking about is developing more consortiums like this mm. that, uh, that are more bioregional, that have more um, indigenous microorganisms in them, but that are stable like this with the members being able to release CO2 and cons- another member consumes it in this constant cycle. So EM. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's so exciting. There's just so many great tools and I'm so thrilled about this book. Um, It's pretty comprehensive, it it seems like. And what I really like about it is all the diagrams because yeah, I'm visual too. And 
I don't want to read a little text box full of, you know, information. I want to see. So I'm really glad you did it that way. And uh, where can people get your book? Uh, I'm going to put a link on my, on well, my uh, show page, but where else can they get it? You can go to the permaculturestudent.com and it's under books, or you can go to Amazon. Um, okay. I've been bouncing up and down the Amazon bestseller list for a while now. I got up to number seven at one point. Um, so close, close. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll be a sleeper and six months from now I'll be number one, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it's on there. It's on my website. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, you and I could talk for hours, but unfortunately people aren't going to probably listen for hours. So we're going to have to wrap this up, but uh, I learned a lot and I'm going to learn a lot by fully reading your book and just there's so many Thank tools you. available and it seems like you're just on the cutting edge of, of the biology and microbiology of the soil and I love it I love it and the book is not too technical that the layman can't understand it's it's written for people like me who you know right. don't have a degree in biology right. microbiology so well that's the whole thing is I'm an English teacher I'm a high school English teacher and so I, know, I write but it you're also brilliant on this other stuff too let's face it Matt <laughs> but I mean it's just been uh, such a pleasure having you on today and I'm sure I'm sure I'm going to have you back again because there's just so much to talk about and I think um, growing your own food is something that more and more people are moving toward even if it means you know growing it in pots on your balcony you know, there's a little right. bit of something for everyone. And um, so thanks for being a guest on our show today. And um, this week is on food integrity now. It's it's going to be all about growing food and regenerative farming. And I'm interviewing Gabe Brown. Um, I know. I know. That's awesome. Uh, at the end of the week, too. So um, it's just, it seems like the world is ready for this. And you know, nice. so many people well, say hi to game for me. I will. It's I been will. a while since I've seen him. Yeah, he's amazing. So anyway, thank you for being on the show. Um, and give us your website one more time and people can go check out more about you. Thank you so much. What, it's what's the your permaculture? Go ahead. <laughs> it's the permaculturestudent.com. So it's okay. www.thepermaculturestudent.com. Thank okay. you. Okay.